This is Chris McGregor with information on how you can help Discerning Hearts continue our mission during our summer appeal. We at Discerning Hearts have tried to offer you a faith-filled apostolate that offers you a place to rest and where you can find peace that comes with union with God. We feature some of the world's foremost spiritual guides who offer various teachings on prayer, discernment, and the spiritual journey. As we move through the summer of 2020, in all honesty, to make it to the end of the year, we're going to need your help. If you can help us with your prayers and possibly a monetary gift that is fully tax-deductible, we would greatly appreciate it. You can donate by accessing the Donate button in the Discerning Hearts free app or on the discerninghearts.com website. Thank you, and God bless from all of us at Discerning Hearts. DiscerningHearts.com presents The Doctors of the Church, The Charism of Wisdom, with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. Dr. Bunsen serves as the faculty chair of the Catholic Distance University. He is also a senior fellow at the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. He is the author or co-author of over 45 books, including The Pope Encyclopedia, The Encyclopedia of Catholic History, The Encyclopedia of Saints, The Encyclopedia of U.S. Catholic History, and Pope Francis. Dr. Bunsen serves as a senior contributor for EWTN. The Doctors of the Church, The Charism of Wisdom, with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Dr. Bunsen, thank you once again for joining me. Wonderful to be with you, especially uh, to complete our discussion on Teresa of Avila, someone I think that uh, everyone needs to know more about, especially today in a time where prayer is often forgotten. Uh, but prayer in the true sense, the authentic sense that Teresa certainly offered us, is also forgotten and so sorely misunderstood. Uh, thank you so much for saying it that way, Dr. Bunsen, because it is so dynamic, this understanding she had of prayer. It, it's so much more about relationship, isn't it? Uh, it is. Uh, that great phrase that uh, Teresa had, that prayer is an exercise of love. Mm. And uh, one of her great friends and colleagues that uh, we'll be talking about, of course, John of the Cross, uh, made that wonderful observation that in the evening of our lives, we shall be judged on our love. And for Teresa of Avila, it was essential to ground ourselves, to root ourselves in love. Uh, as the, the wellspring of prayer. And if prayer is an exercise of love, uh, it has an object. And the object, of course, of that love is our beloved, uh, our Lord, uh, the, the Heavenly Father, the, the, the Trinity. But to understand then that that is, by its very definition, a relationship. And love begets love, as she put it. And she added that uh, with contemplatives, there is always much love, or they wouldn't be contemplatives. I mean, it's, a, it's a classic Teresa phrase. Mm -hmm. But she's making something very clear here, that, that if you have an object for your love, one of the obligations that you have is to know what you're loving, to deepen that relationship, or love can't really continue to grow. So there is the, the subject, the lover, there is the object of of that love, the beloved. 
but that entails a relationship. And if that is a relationship, then that brings with it, as with any relationship, important obligations of deepening and understanding better. It is at the very essence of how we understand and know God by virtue of his nature as Trinity, isn't it? That because, as St. John said, God is love, love by its very nature has to be shared. Otherwise, it's, it's not love. The Father loves, so of course, there's the Son, and that exchange back and forth we, flows from that, the Holy Spirit. And we're called to enter into that dynamic, aren't we? Well, yes, uh, through grace, through the sacraments, um, in particular, the, the Eucharist, uh, the sacrament of penance, because as Teresa always stresses, and this is where uh, we can talk more about this, but for Teresa, sanctifying grace is so essential in undergirding, in providing the, the, the foundation for that journey of love uh, that we're called to make, that you have to cleanse yourself, that you have to purify yourself that you have to make yourself worthy of the object of your love. And that means participation in the life of the Trinity. And how do we do that? We do that uh, through the sacraments, uh, through the deepening of our life of prayer, uh, the practice and perfection of the virtues. And all of that then has a locus of activity, and that, of course, is the Church. So we see today, and to go back to one of the first things we talked about, that there is this temptation today to succumb to that catchphrase uh, that I think is destroying so much of our understanding of prayer and spirituality, and that is, well, I'm spiritual but not religious. And Teresa of Avila, who is often held up as a role model uh, for I'm spiritual but not religious, as though she was some sort of rebel against the church, in point of fact, as we talked in our first episode talking about uh, Teresa, understood that the church is where you have all of the means at your disposal uh, to develop, nurture, and to blossom that relationship. And as a consequence of that, she, in her last words, as we talked about, said that she is at long last a daughter of the church. And for anyone then who thinks that they need to or can study Teresa of Avila by separating her from the life of the Trinity, from the sacraments, from the virtues, from the Church, is not only doing a grave disservice to Teresa of Avila, but a grave disservice to themselves. There is such an earthiness about her and a desire to communicate in an ordinary level. Well, yeah, exactly. And and one of the things that Teresa was trying to do um, is to make it possible for anyone uh, to love. As she said, that uh, anyone, it, it is innate in the human capacity uh, to love, mm -hmm. that all souls are capable of loving in exactly the same way that all of us made in the image and likeness of God are called to be holy. We are called to be saints. So there's a temptation not only to see Teresa sometimes as a rebel, but also uh, to think of the, the great heights of, of mystical prayer that she achieved as something exclusive, something unobtainable, when in fact 
uh, Teresa had as one of her main goals, really from the age of 47 on, after years of personal development, a desire that everyone uh, should be able to go into this life of prayer. And one of her objectives then was to write down, to serve as a, a basic guide for the young women who came to her to join her communities uh, to how to, to learn how to pray. And so as, as a consequence of that, uh, she taught prayer to family members, to lay people, uh, not just to the exclusive setting of her contemplative community, because all of us are called to pray. All of us, as I said, are, are called to be holy. Uh, she, in fact, uh, talked to uh, her father. Uh, but she also found, and this is where humility comes in, that uh, when she began tutoring and mentoring her father Alonzo in prayer, what she found was that he was already spiritually highly advanced. Mm -hmm. And so there was that absence of pride, which is one of the great uh, weaknesses of people today, uh, a, a pride in who we are, a pride in our individuality, a pride in our own formation of conscience, and I dare say for many, a pride in prayer life that leads, of course, to uh, dark alleys and even worse. So Teresa came to teaching others from a place of humility, uh, an absence of pride, but also a keen recognition that each person's journey into that life of prayer, into the life of the Trinity, is going to be unique. But there are still, nevertheless, guideposts and methods and structure that you still need to have. And again, that's where the church plays such an important role. But that's also where finding the right role models is also so crucial. I mean, we see that throughout her life, uh, through in the readings that she chose, uh, in those that she initially turned to uh, for guidance. Uh, I think, for example, as we were talking, Francisco de Osuna, uh, the author of the, the spiritual alphabet, Bernardino de Laredo, uh, and uh, his work on the ascent of Mount Sion. These, for her, were important guideposts. And, of course, throughout her entire life, what did she do? She, she subjected herself to the authority of the church, but also to those who helped her understand that she was not deluding herself, that she was not slipping into errors in doctrine and or succumbing uh, to temptations toward pride, toward an absence of humility. It's so interesting that in the, the beginning of the life of Teresa of Jesus, the autobiography, she it spends so many of those early chapters just really doing a hard examine of her own life. It, it is, it's a real confessio in a, in a way that will lead her in the later chapters into the fruits of that exam, wouldn't you say? Oh, I would, yeah. And, and there's, uh, uh, to go back to that uh, key principle of humility, uh, there is in the life uh, this frankness, openness about herself. Now, I think she at times, and this is just my opinion, I, I think she's often very hard on herself. Mm -hmm. uh, but I understand that. It, it's clear why she's doing that. Uh, because we do have to be frank and honest. And 
uh, don't shrink away from the horror of our own sinfulness. Uh, in that sense, as you and I have talked, uh, it's very reminiscent of uh, Augustine's confessions. Now, the the way that she approaches prayer uh, is in, in her first work is to, to stay with that earthy, almost elemental theme. What does she use? She uses the symbolism of the four waters, uh, or as she describes it, the way that you water or nurture a garden. Mm-hmm. Notably, when she moves out of that uh, into the interior castle, the dimensions increase almost exponentially because she has a, a greater structure of the spiritual castle, a, a mansion of many rooms. And so what we're seeing is a, is a progression on her part uh, in how she's visualizing and then expressing the spiritual life. So she moves from an almost Eden-like quality into a greater architectural design that allows us to explore more critically, uh, more systematically. But what we're also seeing is sort of at play in her text, uh, the structure that you need to have uh, as you progress in mystical prayer. So in other words, far from this idea of losing yourself uh, that we hear in, in so much of modern spirituality, that uh, you become, as what's the saying, one with the universe. In point of fact, uh, Teresa is helping us understand that the higher you progress, the more disciplined, the more precise, and the greater the structure you need to have in your love, because it's more directed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's more of that, that listening to the voice of the beloved, and what is your will? Because it's far better. I mean, that's the, the thing that I've always gleaned from her writings is that no matter what you think, your desire, even your hope to be able to offer, it can't even compare to what His Majesty has waiting for you, to use her term, <laughs> that huh? the king would desire and want for you. Right. And the exploration then of that, of that castle is one of constant searching, but it also requires that active participation of the will and faculties. You know, what does she write uh, regarding for her, which she always describes as a prayer of recollection, which she, she describes it as the soul gathering together its faculties and entering within itself to be with its God. So and obviously this is something that uh, is almost beyond comprehension for anyone, any neophyte who's first starting in prayer. But it's, it's vital from her standpoint to give completely of yourself. And that giving of yourself requires sanctifying grace. It requires the participation in the sacraments. So far from losing yourself which is something that we always hear about also in, in the sort of new age spirituality. The more you become yourself, the more you are who you are called to be. The holier you are, the deeper that relationship can be with the Father because you are moving closer 
to fulfilling who you're supposed to be in being made in the image and likeness of God. And the more that you participate in the life of the Trinity, the more you participate in the sacraments, the easier it is then to have that relationship. We'll return in just a moment to The Doctors of the Church, The Charism of Wisdom, with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. Litany of Humility O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, that others may be esteemed more than I, that in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease, that others may be chosen and I set aside that others may be praised, and I unnoticed, that others may be preferred to me in everything, that others may become holier than I, provided that I become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. 
The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to The Doctors of the Church, The Charism of Wisdom, with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. I, I just have to go back to the, what you pointed out in the life of Teresa of Jesus in the autobiography, that there are those who will look at her reflections upon herself, especially in those, those first 47 years and even subsequent years after that, that she, in writing this, is when she began this, she was already a founderess. She had already begun the work. She had already had the depths of prayer. It was being seen by people around her in the community. And it, she was already being lauded as someone who was very unique in her experience. So her this examine that she would do to herself, this, this bringing her down, being really subjected, it, I think is really important because it's a remedy to a spiritual pride. Mm-hmm. She could see how that can creep in to those who are experiencing any type of prayer, that that's a, one of those creatures that will come in nipping at you. Also, her directors who are helping her, her spiritual directors that were helping her to stay in that place of humility. Yes, exactly. And and for her, too, uh, it that is not simply a warning for the beginner. Mm-hmm. In fact, as you progress through the spiritual life, she is constantly reminding the reader, constantly reminding those who are striving in the spiritual life that you cannot stand still, that you must always be moving. Uh, the, the great line that she says, you must not build on foundations of prayers and contemplation alone, for unless you strive after the virtues and practice them, you will never grow to be more than a dwarf. It's one of those classic vivid images that, that she uses. Anyone, she says, who fails to go forward begins to fall back, and love can never be content for long where it is. But then, but then she adds that important qualifier, that you might think that I am speaking about beginners, and that later on one may rest, but the only repose that these souls enjoy is of an interior kind. Of outward repose they get less and less, We should desire and engage in prayer, not for our enjoyment, but for the sake of acquiring the strength which fits us for service. So she then makes that biblical reference that Martha and Mary must work together. I would also recommend, wouldn't you, Dr. Bunsen, that, I mean, after someone reads the the life of Teresa, that kind of, it's the primer for her journey for us, it would be to then go to the way of perfection. Uh, that book that it, it's quite lovely in many ways. Even the Catechism of the Catholic Church drew from its teachings on prayer, especially in her beautiful Lexio, essentially, of the Our Father. Absolutely. Uh, this is a, a book that she began almost immediately after completing uh, the life. And uh, I, I think if once you're done reading the life, move immediately uh, to the way of perfection. Why? Because it, it's part of that natural progression. But also, it's a way of developing a, a heightened appreciation for those early stages of prayer. 
and uh, you you can develop an appreciation of uh, the different things of, of active recollection, of infused recollection, and these are all uh, obviously technical terms. But as you read through Teresa, you actually see how they're lived, mm-hmm. and uh, she talks about that uh, this this quiet, as she calls it, uh, is something that you need to understand uh, and to develop fully. But it, it requires again uh, our will, and it is essential that you take the time to do it. That you ha- also have the patience to do it. But it's surprising to for people to, to hear. You actually need to have the love to do it. Hmm. And, and again, it's that relationship, and it, and it begins by preparing ourselves uh, with the sacraments. Absolutely, a, a joy-filled work as well. When you read the Way of Perfection, there's almost an enthusiasm for what you're about to enter into, and the Interior Castle would be written several years later and this after having you know lived this life of just building the communities enduring suffering of not only physical but emotional moments and and under direction of john of the cross you see as you have so beautifully articulated a much deeper progression and there are those who will want to jump well i want to go there first I want to go to the interior castle first, <laughs> right. and then and then they'll read it. And God bless everyone. And I'm probably as guilty as anyone, you know, opening up. I'm going to go right to the interior castle, and well, there I am. I'm in uh, stage five, or I'm in the fifth castle, or I'm in the sixth castle. When in reality, we're probably we're still back there in the first castle. <laughs> I mean, even giving it levels, but it's quite a penetrating journey, isn't it? Well, yeah, exactly, and and, and the risk of uh, sort of systematizing uh, things, and and obviously uh, Teresa's providing structure. She's helping people to understand the different levels and and using imagery to explain some of this. But there is, uh, especially for the Western mind, especially for the American mind, where we we are very objective oriented. Uh, we like to solve problems quickly, and so there's a temptation. And as you say, well, let's just jump ahead and, and I'll catch up later. Well, it doesn't really work that way uh, because it can't. Um, it, it's like proposing to someone on your first date. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can certainly try, um, but you're not giving yourself the opportunity to know this person, to make wise and prudent decisions about them. And in exactly the same way, uh, for Teresa, uh you have to follow her from the very beginning to understand what she's actually trying to impart to you because she's been through this. So if you're going to respect someone like Teresa of Avila in the development of your prayer life, uh, isn't it actually much more sensible to begin at the beginning, uh, to let her walk you through the different processes and stages, but more than that, to as you take that journey, uh, to really begin that journey of internal transformation, of spiritual transformation uh, that she went through herself. And, and that requires, again, humility and pride to subject your will, uh, to surrender yourself to what God wants you to do, uh, rather than, again, to impose our image on what we want 
which is one of the first lessons that Teresa tries to give us. Yeah, what I find so just absolutely breathtakingly beautiful about the interior castle is that as you're reading and you're reflecting, and again, I, I'm I'm just as guilty as the next person, thinking I'm over here when I'm actually way back <laughs> over here, and that's okay. She would say she was too. You would go back and forth, and because this is uh, this is what it is to live and to learn and to love. But mm-hmm. when the ultimate encounter of that interior castle, that that castle that we discover is inside of us, that it, that he is dwelling within us, is that in that seventh mansion, all the all of the ecstasies and all of the uh, charismatic experiences and all the all these things that seem to be those movements in the earlier castles, that in the seventh, it's almost, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, Matthew, but it's, here I am, I'm back where I was, but it's different, Uh because now I'm with him. Things are ordered, and you go out in the world, and all those other things, it's it's that St. Paul teaching, none of that matters anymore, because, but once you attain love, and you're in that there with his majesty in that castle, that's all that matters. And you just go out in the world and you live. Well, that there's that uh, wonderful description of the seventh mansion where she says, I will end by saying that we must not build towers without foundations and that the Lord does not look so much at the magnitude of anything we do as at the love with which we do it. If we accomplish what we can, his majesty will see to it that we become able to do more each day. And she has that that wonderful line that in that mystical marriage that the soul sees the persons, the three persons, individually and yet by a wonderful kind of knowledge which is given to it, the soul realizes that most certainly and truly all these three persons are one substance and one power and one knowledge and one God alone. We've just only touched just briefly on what is really quite an incredible doctor of the church. Any final thoughts, Matthew? Yeah, I I really have to say that um, take the time to read Teresa's writings. Uh, A lot of the doctors of the church have left us letters and and other uh, important writings, obviously. But if you are looking for the spiritual life of how to enter into it in a way that will be meaningful for the rest of your life. I think uh, Teresa of Avila stands as a a true apostle of prayer. She is, in in many ways, the doctor of prayer. And we need to honor her for that, but also to express our gratitude for that. And it is not without reason that in 1970 she was named uh, the first woman doctor by Pope Paul VI and is honored and revered for that, uh, but above all, uh, for the opportunity that she gives us, and we just have to have the wisdom to to take it. The original Mother Teresa. (laughs) Agreed. For centuries. I mean, uh, of all the, the seven degrees of Teresa, of all the other Teresas that would follow, she was the first. 
whether it was St. Therese to Mother Teresa of Calcutta, St. Teresa of Calcutta, Teresa of the Andes, Teresa Benedict of the Cross. There's a reason why all those holy women that have become such shining lights for her would look and, and regard her as truly a spiritual mama. Amen. Teresa of Avila, pray for us. Amen. You've been listening to The Doctors of the Church, The Charism of Wisdom with Dr. Matthew Bunsen. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for The Doctors of the Church, The Charism of Wisdom with Dr. Matthew Bunsen.